Good morning and welcome back and or welcome if you're new to the Green Eco Style Podcast where we help people shop and live sustainably. So today we are pleased to be speaking with Olivia. She is a fashion designer and textile artist who studied at both Kootenai School of the Arts in BC and NASCAD University in Halifax and now is launching her own fashion brand called Olive Rose. So without further ado, Olivia Mansfield. Yeah, it's really nice to be asked um, to do this. Yeah, well, you know, we appreciate you taking time even out of your busy schedule to do this with us. So <laughs> I'm really excited about this and it's really good to see you. Um, so I have some questions I would like yes. to ask you and for the viewers as well. So do you mind if we dive right into that? So yeah, for sure. First question. So the first okay. question here um, is who is Olive Rose? So Olive Rose is the title of your company, yes? Yes. Um, so all it's kind of um, morphed into a brand like just lately, but um, initially it comes from kind of like a combination of different names. Um, so my middle name is Rose. Um, my parents gave it to me after my mom's uh, childhood best friend named Rose. And um, the olive part is a, kind of a nickname play on my first name. Sometimes I like to be called Liv. Um, my sisters call me Olive Child or Olive. Uh -huh. It's kind of like a of love between sisters in a way. So it's so um, Olive Rose is kind of like a combination of different names, sort of um, lineages of women in my family. And myself, um, I guess it's sort of like my own name as my brand name, but it's like just a little right. track off of my own name. <laughs> Do yeah. you need a whole backstory? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, cool. Because you are the designer, right? Yes. Yeah. And right now, um, I'm just kind of running this on my own and just starting out. So basically doing all aspects of it. Just really? On my own. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you doing everything right now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, props for you. That's a lot of work. <laughs> um, so when did you start then? When did you, um, I guess, first start selling your clothes? Um, it's only just really recently become something that I would like to call like a brand name. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked at a couple of different fashion brands in uh, Canada, mm -hmm. two in Nova Scotia, um, and one here in uh, Quebec where I am now um, for like a couple of years after I uh, graduated school and I learned a lot in those different jobs cool. um, mostly that sewing and uh, textile work is a really like specialized skill that in a way is like a bit hard to find so definitely um, yeah I felt really good that I had uh, studied that and worked on mm -hmm. that um, and then I kind of thought it was just like the logical progression to start putting my work out there in a professional way. I think the first time I kind of put my stuff up for sale was only just this fall. So like October really? okay. 2020, I think. 2020, yeah. Yeah, so really, really recently. Ooh, um, you're fresh. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's why this is really, really new to me and really nice to get to talk to someone about my... Uh, my brand because I'm just like beginning to call it that but it's a really it's really definitely 
yeah to get used yeah. to that <laughs> well this is you know greeny coast style we try to find all the new brands you know slow fashion that's out there because i just want to promote you guys because i really admire people starting up their own brand by themselves like you you said you say yourself that you're just working by yourself right now you don't have anybody working under you any employees or whatever mm-hmm. but that's really cool um keep it up I'm really excited that we're here <laughs> yeah, okay so um what inspired you then to create your own sustainable fashion brand where do you think it blossomed from mm-hmm well, uh, like I said, uh, I learned a lot from working at other small brands, um, mm-hmm. and um, I I recognized that I did have those skills. Um, a lot of the issues is uh, being like brave enough to jump out there and call yourself a brand and say that we do I do have these skills. I can do this. So working at those other brands kind of gave me that push. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. And I think I secretly always wanted to have my own like line of things. Nice. Um, having gone to school, I was looking at other jobs like uh, teaching and art and textiles and sewing and all kinds of other things, which I'm still kind of keen to look into. But deep down, like secretly, not so secretly, I just wanted to like promote my own work and make a living from it in a way, which I think yes. doesn't take away the uh, um, uh, creative element in any way. I think it's an um, awesome thing when artists can support themselves from their work it's kind of something that I want to do exactly yeah I just kind of jumped off from working under other brands and I think that led me towards wanting to start my own and um, Mm -hmm. it's been challenging because when you're working under someone else they can make all of the big like choices for you and they can kind of like manage but doing everything on your own is um, having all that like choice making, uh, decision making stuff to, that you have to do on your own is kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> it is. People don't realize it. You're not yeah. just, you know, you becoming the designer, just you yourself does not mm-hmm. mean just designing. You're no. in charge of all of it, right? The marketing, all the business, the costing sheets, whatever, you know, you, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, there's a lot more to it than just uh, creative making. So it much. Kind of like in my dream world, I thought, well, it's just going to be fun. But really the business aspect of it has to marry with the, the uh, making as well. So that's right. Big... With the art part of it. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was actually oogling around. I looked at your website before we did this, before we started this interview. And I really admire your style. I think it's really cool. It's so unique. The taste is, um, the taste and style is kind of like a, what is it? Like Little House on the Prairie kind of thing. Like that's what I thought it looked like. I thought it was like so old timey, but you have like a, new spin on things like making it modernized that people would want to actually wear it today right (laughs) because it's not like completely right but yeah so what kind of inspired you in like your fashion style like when you started making your clothes what was your inspiration yeah well it's first of all really cool to hear what you have seen from what you've seen of my work because it's yeah like you know it's one thing to have the idea of how it's going to come across in your mind when you put it out there, but then it's really neat to hear back 
all these different things like bouncing back. And I think um, different themes come out in my work that people tell me about and I'm kind of like surprised by them, but then deep down I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That they would pick pick up on that. Um, the old, like the old timey, I think, um, like country style. Uh-huh, definitely. Well, that you might get from it is it that makes sense because a lot of what I want to explore is just like clothing as workwear and as like functional wear, mm. but really from like a creative kind of like storybook kind of kind of viewpoint so like I want to play with like workwear as in like denim and like extremely like working in the yard kind of thing yeah that type of thing like it's really neat to me how clothing is um serving such a such a purpose when we put it on mm -hmm. um, we need it to withstand such and such thing or be able to carry this right um so it's not just the style yeah yeah um, I like to play with that when I'm uh, making things, um, the, the functionality of clothing. Mm. So I think workwear really kind of pops out, but then when I'm styling it my own way, it becomes like a, almost like a feminine, like more uh, creative expression on those types of, types of styles. Um, my family, I grew up in like a very rural farming type of a place. Um, oh, okay. Sisters like fully in the country like I got I was kind of used to like um seeing all the stars at night and like forest all around basically so do you mind me asking where where was um, Nelson uh BC where I went oh, to yes. School of the Arts. yeah um and my family lived about a half hour or 40 minutes outside of Nelson which is a very small town okay wow um so yeah, maybe the country home kind of like garden style that you see comes mm. a little bit from that. That's um, sweet. I had another question. What was it? Oh, okay. So kind of going back to the beginning. Um, what were some of the hardest obstacles to overcome when first starting out? Like I know you're really fresh um, and this would be really helpful. Actually, you know, you just telling us about your experiences for you know any other brand new upcoming brands you know mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of obstacles um not that, that sounds like really like <laughs> negative it's, it's just to say that um everyone who's kind of putting their work out there in a brand sense or selling their stuff or putting it out publicly I think that takes a lot of courage so um Definitely. for other makers to know that everyone else who's doing it or people that you look up to, like brands you really love, that you uh, buy their stuff or you follow them, you look at them and you think, oh, they probably don't have any of these obstacles. But the thing is like everyone working creatively and putting work out there like really does. So in a way there's like a um, support system in that. Um, and it's not all obstacles. I mean, there's really awesome stuff where you're like sailing. Smooth, right. Someone is like, it has to be that up and down, like a roller coaster, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And if you kind of know ahead of time that those types of, there's going to be these types of things that you might have to deal with, it does help. And you can know that you can ask other makers and brands about things and like, I'm sure they'll be open to it. Um, okay. I think the biggest thing for me was just, um the confidence thing of mm. putting myself out publicly and standing behind my work um and then 
the next step of that as like pricing and marketing and put and like asking for like a monetary exchange for what I've made and uh, designed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that comes back to the creative versus the business. Um, But it's a really, really. Do I pause you here? Um, So for your pricing, do you ship like globally now? Cause you have like, you were talking about the exchange rate, like can, so do you ship globally or is it just um, in Canada right now? Um, I do ship globally. I think I, I'm open to it and I offer it although. Um, right. So you're most, ready for it. Yeah. I'm open to it. Most customers are based in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally a few in the u.s but generally it's located here mostly from places i've been and lived that people are ordering from but um yeah i'm definitely open to that i'm trying to set myself up for um being able to ship just about everywhere um although i've only had maybe a little handful of orders from the u.s and i don't think any from anywhere else but um, i would like to be um accessible all over the world definitely well one step at a time right Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, it all takes time. <laughs> exactly. Um, you have a pretty big following already, like for just really coming out in the fall recently, you know, I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah, um, I, um, I kind of really, I think when the um, coronavirus hit the world, like it hit different parts of the world at different times, but in like, a, actually a year ago, it's crazy to say that it's already been a year, but um last February was really, I think a lot of people were kind of like jumped out of their normal work, work routines and kind of had to take all this extra time. And suddenly we have this time on our hands when we're being told to stay home. And right. um, That is a time when I developed a lot of my work and a lot of my shapes and put my work out there just because I suddenly had, extra space in my schedule and extra time and um it was a very strange time also like very very Mm -hmm. outside of us in the in the world and the news and all this but in my own in a sense it was like a blessing yeah it worked um it was a way to pass the time and then it became something that I had always wanted to do and yeah so yeah got a lot of work time in last spring in the the meantime of trying not to read too much news (laughs) yeah you know I think it's better to just stay out of it like I know it's everywhere but it's all negative you know Mm -hmm. so like I don't know like what can you do about it you just it's better to stay positive over here and do your own thing and kind of live um like still be informed of course but just Mm -hmm. don't get consumed right yeah, just functioning on the day-to-day this year, I think, has been a challenge for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. So, um, making and working on creative projects is something that is like a management technique for me. It gets me through, and I, if I'm That's zoned in and focused. Like um, therapy, almost. Yeah, <laughs> so that helps me. And so um, not to say oh, right. I really started pushing my brand because I was like, I got I to gotta zone in, and like the world's so crazy. I got to focus on something. <laughs> But right. in a way, it was. Um, so a good a good product actually came out of that, I guess. <laughs> cool. There yeah. you go. Um, so then, any challenges maybe you've run into? Um, 
kind of specifically on being like a slow fashion brand now because mm-hmm. like you're still building up right you're not really um quite smooth sailing yet but are we really ever like even when you're like really big <laughs> you know but like you're still slow fashion so mm-hmm. um what kind of challenges come with being a slow fashion brand yeah there are um it's really it's such an important thing to be sustainable and to be careful about what you're where you're sourcing your material and definitely you know the life cycle of materials and all this things that you have to call into question when you're producing um any kind of like product um clothing or houseware any type of like material product we do have to be really careful right now but in doing that it's hard in a way to be like quick enough and um affordable enough for many people to consume and buy your your products because of the competition which is i guess fast fashion um so that's that's a big challenge um but it is i'm kind of hopeful because there is a huge community of slower fashion brands and all these um uh customers or uh, potential customers who are kind of like waking up to um the damage that uh fast fashion causes um to both workers mm-hmm. and the world the exactly. uh, water systems everything know? so um there's kind of a little niche that's growing and growing and growing on the sidelines and it's slowly challenging fast fashion brands to um, show how their stuff is made, you know, to slow down. But I think the consumer's kind of standards of pricing is a little bit skewed because of like before I knew about um, clothing production and where things come from and how much work it really is. I was like, when I was a teenager, I was shopping at the mall Mm-hmm. just love going to the malls in the in the cities we would go to the cities and get to go to the mall and it was right. like however much money to spend and you just go to like the teen shops like I I didn't you know it's cheap and that's something that's difficult to um really blame the consumer about with their with their choices. exactly because it's not really the consumer's fault it's not really our, our fault right it's just what we've mm-hmm. been grown up with right it's just it's mm-hmm. surrounded us so we're used to the cheap prices yeah so same. then to have something more than that it's just it's it's unheard of right mm-hmm. almost yeah you get really used to spending two to five dollars on a t-shirt or a pair of underwear and you think that then you look at a smaller brand and it's so much more and you think well why like you have no no understanding of why but I think um yeah a lot of designers are showing like how their things are made how much work it really is um and like uh benefits of shopping locally and small and so a lot of consumers are kind of opening up to that and not having to throw something away and buy hundreds in a year exactly than you know buying something cheap and throwing it away so I'm hoping that my products will last oh I believe in it yeah, like <laughs> yeah but it's a big challenge to compete with like goliath retailers i feel like small business owner can feel that like going against amazon and all these things so, oh yeah sheesh yeah. um there's yeah. a lot of education that kind of needs to be taking place you know because yeah. 
honestly, I was just talking to my roommate recently and I was telling her about this garment that I'm making for a customer and she was mind blown. And it was just a simple blouse, right? And now I'm telling her about like all the techniques on like everything that I'm doing with it. And it's not just a, a regular blouse. Like I have all my own little spins on it, but there's a lot to it. And it takes time and patience to make something of good quality and to, to make it right, you know, mm-hmm. like, and to know that's going to last too. Like that's, I think that's the most important thing about slow fashion companies is that they make good quality garments that last you that won't wear or tear within the next month right mm-hmm. um anyways. That's part of it with being able to make products that will last and have the consumers kind of mindset change from just hitting like just seeing the first thing that comes to mind is the price point um and that's all we can pay attention to at times and I don't blame anyone for that because like the cost of living is a lot, you know, life's life can be hard financially exactly. yeah. you can go to whatever you can afford. But if the majority of people can start seeing um, how many throwaway t-shirts you might, you know, have to buy in a year, if you buy cheap ones is probably the same amount as you might spend on a really um, special product. Exactly. Of the um, single garment mm-hmm. and buy it once. So yeah, that can be a challenge being on the yeah. things and wanting to make my brand price point something that most people can afford and be able to find that like balance with still paying myself fairly. Exactly. Um, you don't want to lowball yourself, right? Yeah. And a lot but of then not the customers either. Um, anyway, yeah. Oh, I lost my train of thought. It was so good. I was going to oh. ask you something. Oh. This happens way too much. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, whatever. Me too. Because um, all these things are so, like, connected and there's so many layers. They're all connected. Them, so. Yeah. And then you get on one topic after another, but then it's all, like, within the same umbrella. Yeah. But it's, like, we're all talking about, like, the same thing. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so well, you were talking about, like, um, sourcing um, oh. and, like, making sure that they're um, source correctly or whatever like from these um, nice brands that are giving people like fair wages and they're good quality for mm-hmm. fabric um, so do you source fabric or do you just like create your own textiles because I did see on your website that you were like making your own like like you were like weaving or something like so do you mm-hmm. weave or um, do you also knit or something or felt um, yeah there's a lot of um different layers to that because I uh, when I was in school I had access to weaving um, facilities and looms and materials and all these things that I think that was that was something I really really fell in in love with when I was studying it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think having a knowledge of weaving teaches someone a lot about the way that um, fabric is constructed so different structures of fabrics and things like that and then it expands into clothing production you have just like that much more um, knowledge of when you're buying pre-made fabrics. Mm -hmm. So the woven material part is basically just me using what I was able to produce while I had those looms. (laughs) So I have that I have a little bit of woven textile that I did make myself that I'm still kind of like mixing in with my brand. Um, It's extremely limited, but um, 
I don't, I do have a table loom that I'm hoping to get going in the future. Um, it's not really part of my act of making right now, but basically yeah. when I use the handmade textiles, it's things that I have made in the past and literally like scraps from projects that served other purposes that I want to reuse and save because mm -hmm. um, woven fabric has so much meaning into it and so much love and care that I was like, I'm keeping these. I have boxes and boxes, but I want to put these towards like different projects. And so here and there I'll mix in um, handmade uh, materials into my brand. But okay. then it's, it's mixed with um, like scraps, repurposed garments um, that I'll find and wash and reuse or okay. bolts of dead stock or secondhand fabric. So, <laughs> so then you don't source your fabric. You just kind of grab here a little, there a little. Um, it's like, it, yeah, it's your a own fabric. Of, yeah, it'll be a combination of the repurposed. And then um, I try to use dead stock fabric or secondhand if I buy it by the bolts. So in future, I would like to find a fabric source which provides me with more yardage of like a predictable material so that I can have like a um, consistent shape or cut with like a various size range. Right. Um, it's kind of difficult with uh, scraps and piecework and like patchwork, I mean, not piecework, um, to mm -hmm. do that. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of moving away from the patchwork and handmade textiles toward finding like a dead stock secondhand fabric source um okay yeah but I still love to mix the two in a way mix all these things so <laughs> right so yeah. then um do so then your patch um fabrics that you have or whatever you just said that they were like from previous designs that you've made and from um other projects or whatever so then you get your own scraps basically so, from your own yeah, I guess it's not. it feels funny to say <laughs> this is the discards from an old project from years ago but I mean and then I'm like Ooh, like how do I promote that without people feeling like this is an old dusty thing but really I don't. It's, um, it's like a reuse and trying to reduce my own waste because um, on the big scheme of things, I think my studio and what I want to work on is very, very small. Like my mm -hmm. waist, still small. But right. just well, you're just part, starting out still. Yeah, and starting out with this mindset that I use my own waste or consume my own uh, scraps to re remix into new products is what I want to do. So yeah, a lot of that piece were, uh, sorry, patchworked pieces and handmade material um, is from, yeah, like, Dis, uh, discards of my own projects um, and it's nice to be zero waste uh, or as close to zero as possible right you can uh, yeah do as much as you can right mm -hmm. I do that too actually you know like with my own garments I try to save as much fabric as I can you know that I can still patch together some things patch and do like a patch design and Honestly, you know, it's, it's trendy. So, like, if you see garments out there, like, people intentionally cut out little squares to patch, like, something together to make a pair of pants, you know? Like, it, it is intentional sometimes. So, mm -hmm. I think we're yeah, winning. It's coming because into style. Because we're reusing fabric. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
it's neat that it's coming into style all over the place, like um, mm -hmm. visible mending, like to mend your own clothing and fix them and have it yeah. show. Oh, I'm so excited that that's such a popular um, thing because, yeah, it means that people are <laughs> fixing their clothing instead of throwing it out. I wanted to, um, I actually, I wasn't going to ask you about this, but I just remembered that um, in some of your clothes, you, um, you make the surging visible, right? Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. And then it's like, it's like you make it kind of like a design mm. and then you do this like swervy thing or whatever. Um, Cause that's even trending now too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, lately um, I've started repurposing sweaters um, and that's kind of like the latest thing that I've focused on um, as like one product that I'm going to do a couple multiples of. Uh, this may be like my second product that I've done in that style really like doing one product over and over which is what production is that's like what I'm trying to get towards so the repurposed sweaters yeah they do have that exposed stitching which I do see lately all over the place online of different designers doing and it I think it's really really fun it is uh, yeah I love that yeah to be able to make something that holds together structurally and the seam lines are kind of part of the design um and especially if you work with a knit it gets that like lettuce leaf yeah okay yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. notice that I thought that you did that purposely but because it's knit it it gets the um it gets kind of the swivels in it yeah it's basically just I think because of the knitted um like stretch texture of the sweaters it uh it kind of like wobbles because the surging like presses a bit too hard on it and stretches it out mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like a an accidental thing that happens that makes a neat effect a happy um, accident yeah <laughs> that's cool um I had I have a little mm -hmm. more questions questioning things um about your fabric like so you Good. said in the past and you'd like to more in the future um weave your own textiles right so my question um with that is would you do you dye your own textiles? So would you like do that like before, like when it's like a yarn or like after it's a textile? And is it like natural dyes or, or does it like come pre-colored? Yeah, well, ever since I started as like a, a brand, I guess, I haven't um, incorporated too much of the dyeing yet. Um, occasionally I'll have a fabric that's uh, a, a waste fabric and I'll remake it into something and it happened to be dyed by me um, <laughs> but I that's basically just the um, material that I made while I was studying so um, I studied a lot about natural dyes and I think they're a really really Good. interesting thing um, that is so neat to it's such a neat way to um, customize your own fabric and customize your products Mm -hmm. um, yeah I haven't gotten into it as much as I probably really liked to yet um I do have a huge bag of avocado pits in my freezer that I want to you know use for a dye project or um I have an indigo that I haven't started into a vat so there's all these things that are kind of like waiting in the wings for, cool um, um yeah okay I want to pause you now um I was talking to my mom about this the other day um so now that you said avocado to yeah. like dye your clothes do you think so we're on like the food train now do you yeah. think that we could like 
um, use beets to like dye fabric. Yeah, well, I don't know, like beets, it seems like they would because they give yeah. a lot of color like to your hands and your right. food and everything. But um, I don't know if that with beets, I don't think the color really does hold as well as you'd oh. think, but like you can, I think you could, you could do, you could try beets like um, turmeric is a really good one. And, oh, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, black beans actually. Black, black beans will do like a purplish blue, like a light blue kind of. And then um, onion skin is another one. Mm for like a yellowish color there's all kinds of things that um yeah, yeah it's actually food waste that you can die with mm -hmm. and you know that's i think that's a lot better than like bugs <laughs> like this is what i yeah. think now because that's a thing too you know um yeah. to get like a rich like purple or something I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of the natural dyes that are like produced for the purpose of dyeing are maybe like a bit wasteful in their own way um, you're right like a lot of water or something too yeah and some natural dye processes need a chemical like fixative to make the color stay on the fabric there are natural like you can do um a soy milk instead there's like different ideas of things that you can use for uh dye fixatives that are natural but um a lot of the time it might use chemicals or water or all these types of things so mm -hmm. I feel like every process when you get onto a larger scale of production it kind of has its little evils that do show up right but, uh, yeah it's like it's best to just stay like a slow fashion company for mm -hmm. forever almost um but like I'm sure once you get bigger um and like you'll probably have like a couple more employees working for you or something but like you'll give them like fair wages right and you'll probably be accessible enough that you can <clears throat> i hope <laughs> oh you will i have yeah. faith um <laughs> so do you um release collections for your customers like do you so you do you like make a collection um and then you release it on your site? Or do you also make like custom designs? Mm -hmm. Well, since I've only really been running since about the fall. Um, so I, in October, I did my first, what I called it like a studio sale, which was essentially um, garments and projects and things that I had that I wanted to sell just to make space. So they were all like one of a kinds. Um, and after that, I did two other like drops of one of a kind uh, collections of things, which were just like little collections. Mm. Um, and I'd made everything and it was like a few different sizes, but it wasn't, there weren't, there wasn't too much of a range of sizes and it was all one of a kind. Um, and so I've done that. Oh, I've done it twice. I wanted to do another one mid-February. Um, so that's what I'm getting ready for now, but, um, I, I would like to move past that and do more of like a size range, um, eventually. So, um, I'll release these kind of like limited drops or like studio drops as they've been called. Um, and that's what I've been doing so far. I'm hoping to move into, I guess it would be made to order, uh, you would call it. Yeah. More sizes. And then as far as custom designs, I have had a few people contact me 
over the past six months to a year and they might ask for like a custom fit or a custom mm-hmm. project. I've taken on a couple of those. I, I would like to put that as part of my business just because it's really neat when someone, maybe they see something that's already been made and they want it like cropped or to their own size or to like a different measurement. Right. It would be great to be able to do that. So far I've only done like a handful of those just for um, people I've known and I'll charge them, I guess, like hourly or for the material. So it becomes like a custom project. Mm-hmm. But- so then for like the drops that you're doing, like what you said previous. Um, so do you have like kind of a standard size for those that you normally would make, mm-hmm. I guess? Yeah, well, the first one, um, it was my things that were pretty much modeled off clothing that I already had and things that were the size of one model that I was working with, Yes, okay. um, which, which made it quite limited. So that was something that I wasn't super happy with because um, I want to have like a very broad size range and options. Right. Um, so these drops will be, each one I think kind of becomes has more of a consistent product that people can expect and more of a size range. Uh, So right now I have a shirt design that I have like size one, two, and three. Um, And then sweaters, it's sort of small, medium, large are one, two, and three. And then within Mm -hmm. those sizes, there's quite a broad range of whether it could fit or like a little bit more fitted. Um, And the way that I'm designing is really not an extremely like body con like form-fitted type of a styling I think that's just my taste and it tends yeah. to work out well with sizing because it means that there's like there a more range people of that, that could... yeah for Sorry. sure um yeah. so it's I think yeah doing the drops is what I've been doing so far and I've only done two since the fall um yeah. and I'm planning my next one in like a few weeks but um going forward from that I'd like to start doing full size ranges like having my size chart but just I just need to find a way to combine that with my patchwork or recycled material process Mm -hmm. um and I've been working on sizing forever now for my brand like that's why I don't have anything going on because I still I'm getting like lots of sizes and I'm measuring lots of people and I'm trying to like collectively collect them and then like make my own grading from all of that right and then I try to grading is so hard man it's just but it's important right yeah it's something that I think you can't really not pay attention to and I've yeah that's I think it's one of the things that not that it's like blocked me from moving forward but it's been something that I really really want to address and right you keep working on what I called yeah the um studio sales were just projects I had and like garments I had made that were they were only made once kind of thing so the size range wasn't there um so and I think having an accessible size range is so important because um yeah anyone looking at our work might not see someone who looks like them or who feels like they can relate and they just like won't be interested don't want to wear it so it you know I want to make it as open as possible um I think I am kind of designing shapes with that in mind um good with everything being closed down I have my own garments to trace off and my own body to sort of like measure on so it's pretty limiting I'd love to have more of a range of people to be able to measure like you said Mm -hmm. Um, when I make end projects that I take on um, I always keep those people's measurements kind of secretly in a little book that I have 
so that I can like reference them again. And Definitely. Yeah. Keep the measurements handy. Because real people, there's such a range. And I know. Just have to accommodate Ooh. that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's another thing that's really skewed in the apparel industry that we got to fix. And it's up to mm-hmm. us. It's up to us little yeah. guys. <laughs> I guess um, this is kind of a deeper question and broad. Um, how would you think Olive Rose is changing the apparel industry? I would love to, it's like, oh, I'd love to say that I'm making so much big change. Um, <laughs> I think you feel like a drop in the bucket when you are just like uh, one small designer making your work. And it's really nice to ask, to be asked to speak to you, to say like, mm-hmm. I love what you're doing and I want to hear about it. That was really lovely. Yeah, it's easy to feel really tiny in this industry that you you don't necessarily agree with all the ways that things are made and how people are treated with the ways things are made and exactly. all these different things. Like, um, but I think just sticking in what I believe in and sh- share like behind the scenes where this material came from, what I did to make my uh, products, um, okay. and showing that process, um, it might give a bigger understanding to how much work cement production really can be um, because there aren't really, I don't think there's any clothes in the world, no matter how cheap or mass produced they are that are not made by a human hand. Like there's, there's machinery involved sometimes along really run a sewing machine without an operator. Like you have to have someone to put the fabrics together. Right. So for me, I love to show how complex sewing really can be and how much work it, it is. Not to be like, oh, this is so much work itself, but just to say that, like, be careful with what you're buying, where you're getting it, because it, there is a human being that put it together. Um, right. So I'd, yeah, I'd really like to show, like, uh, behind the scenes and re- reuse of uh, materials that are already here. Mm-hmm. On the yeah, and people love that, you know, like um, yeah. filming um your studio or filming what you're doing or whatever or I noticed that you make like time lapses sometimes and those are fun I love it yeah I'm doing things so so fast but it's fun to um document processes that way it's really cool Mm -hmm. yeah I think I'll keep on uh um, doing those because I'm all I'm I'm never sure I'm like is this really weird does anyone want to see this behind the scenes no it's not it's amazing and you inspire me to do them too now so (laughs) keep it up so we kind of talked about this um like why should people buy slow fashion opposed to fast fashion so I guess we talked a lot about slow fashion so maybe Mm. talk a little about fast fashion and maybe the differences I think um it's kind of a recent, I think fast fashion is kind of a recent like speeding up of an industry that has happened, I don't know how recently, maybe since like around the 2000s or something when we first saw these insanely cheap mass produced like t-shirts and underwear and cheap things oh, really? coming into our malls. I almost think it was like earlier than that. I feel like I was like a teen in the mall. So I just like discovered it myself. Okay. And okay. I didn't realize Fair that enough. there was a problem with it. Um, but yeah, no, it's probably been going on 
in a way since the industrial revolution yeah wasn't necessarily called fast fashion like this is a new term that we can come up with Mm -hmm. Um, so in some way I think products that humans have been producing has been harmful to the planet um, for hundreds of years but fast fashion is um, this new like super speed calendar of fashion which is like separate from any other product production where there's literally like a whole new collection every single week of the year um, sold extremely yeah, cheaply. Literally. Uh, and, um, it's too fast. That's why it's called fast fashion. It's like yep. a bit like fast food where um, you suddenly have access to like hundreds of new styles. Uh, and then the next week you walk into your, into a store in the mall and they're all switched over to everything new. And there's a bunch of waste um right you know it's you really have to question um the garments if they're like Mm -hmm. really mass produced right you really got a question it's like why how can they produce it so fast Mm -hmm. well because they're they're low quality they're just getting it out there and Mm -hmm. then that's what that's where the price comes in so i know people don't question it they're like oh five dollars awesome good deal but you really have to question when it is five dollars and then you got to look at the other tags. It's like, where was it made? You know, <laughs> and the cost is like absorbed. The cost is so low. And then it's absorbed by the workers who are making the garments because they're maybe not even making like pennies. off of. No, they're not making a living wage. Yeah. So that's, that's why it can be. Like, I think it's kind of 50, 50 of putting responsibility on the consumer and on the CEOs of the larger fast fashion companies. Because, um, consumers might be in a tight financial spot. They might, that might be what they can afford to clothe their family, their kids, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of a bit of a trapped feeling that consumers have, which I don't think the blame can go onto them, but right. should be people with the means of buying quality, slower fashion from smaller brands, I think really should um if you can because then you can almost like speak for people who can't um Mm. and if companies aren't getting our money um and like where we spend it um so if you don't agree with the way a large company is producing and human rights wise or like waste wise you you can make a vote for or against them by buying from them or not um i think secondhand shopping is a really good um option for being able alternative to yeah yeah if you still want to buy cheap right yeah if you can't afford a brand new high quality handmade thing which uh, many of us can't and um i think you don't have to be perfect everything from handmade like indie designers it's really difficult even for me i i wish i could make everything to wear for myself but it's hard to be perfect but um mm-hmm. just you know, we can also cut down on how much we think we need to consume because we think that our consumption needs to line up with this fast fashion calendar, but we really don't need to buy new things that often. Exactly. And you're right, like what you said, how it's 50-50 with the consumers and the producers because we, like, just look at this pandemic, right? Um, I think because we stop buying so much because everybody's in lockdown now and you're all just staying at home the fashion industry took a big toll on that and 
they have all these clothes that they're not selling anymore right Mm -hmm. so they so normally like they're giving what we they're giving to the consumers what they think we want but if we're not out you know we're not buying anything Mm -hmm. like that was a big pause that really needed to happen in the apparel industry that is hopefully changing now and going a little bit backwards and they're not going to be producing as much anymore because they really don't need to. Yeah, I think a lot of companies are changing their structure because um, business-wise they have struggled during this time and have filled in so many different ways. But bigger companies have... um, uh, malls and shops have totally shut down people can't shop in person anymore or for a long period couldn't so right. these companies just um, canceled any payment to their production facilities and their the workers that made these huge amounts of garments didn't get paid um, right. which is very unfair like we all know it, <laughs> to have to put all the work in and then not be paid for what you've done is really really difficult so a lot of these right to their facility um, but I think a lot of the um, customers are putting pressure now on brands to pay these factories uh, you're seeing yes a little mm-hmm. bit um, but it is a chance for companies on a larger scale to kind of rework the structure of how they make things definitely um, change the system mm-hmm. I agree with that we do need to and it, it's been a lot of struggle and uh, difficulty in the last year but I think it's been like a wake-up call for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so it's necessary Um, on a positive note you know (laughs) we can uh, support what what we can do as consumers we can support slow fashion Mm -hmm. we can support the little guys right now you know and encourage them yeah. instead of encouraging the bigger companies to keep on doing the same things that they're that they've been doing because mm-hmm. it's all messy yeah. uh, and when you buy from bigger richer companies you basically benefit like one or two ceos and managers and um, not necessarily the workers themselves so exactly um, yeah within our means we can buy secondhand or buy from smaller companies and it really the money that we do have and put towards these things goes kind of into a more fair kind of a kind of system. Um, mm-hmm. You do have power as a consumer, um, whatever you can manage. Like it doesn't have to be going cold turkey and never buying anything new or from a mall, like a, a chain shop in a mall again. It just kind of means little small things here and there. And then eventually if everyone does that, the change will happen. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. You know, one step at a time. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, totally. And things take time. So. Definitely. I know. We have to be patient. And I think we aren't. There's a human in everybody that, you know, there's the little impatience. Um, yeah. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're human, right? So... Where do you see Olive Rose in about like five years from now or like in the future? Like, are you still going to be in Montreal? And is your business going to be flourishing? Like employees under you now? Yeah. Well, hopefully. I hope to expand. Definitely. Um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily like at the point yet where I can think about like 
working with uh, any others or having staff like I'm not really there but yeah. that would be great because it is I think just learning about how all these elements of a business coming onto the shoulders of one person you realize like this is why people outsource part of the work um mm-hmm. so it would be great to um expand like different skills and um maybe hire just on shorter terms like a web designer or a graphic designer um photographers mm-hmm. those types of people with those skills that um I just just think that profession of uh, photography marketing the, the the whole like internet world I really would love to have some help there um, when I can expand that way. Um, so to, yeah, to bring people, um, designers and makers in and uh, collaborate with them with different skill sets is really exciting. It takes like in-person contact. So I really hope that it, you know, maybe this summer things will open up again and slowly. Um, I realize we have to just be patient with that because it's important, but it would be great to have more of an in-person sales kind of a element um, where I work from now the studio where I work out of is shared with quite a few different um, disciplines of artists so there's like painters mm. um, illustrators and well, that's fun yeah there's just two of us in the group that actually do uh, fashion and sewing mm. um, so this person and I are potentially going to look just for a studio that's a bit more like fashion focused that's maybe a smaller space not to say it hasn't been awesome working with all these different people but I think I do need a bit more room for what I would like to do yeah Um, absolutely yeah uh I get it right now all my stuff like I have a room for like my production area let's say and then Mm -hmm. another room for all my equipment all my fabric and all this supplies and whatever and then the third room is for where I sleep Mm -hmm. right (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, I need somewhere to sleep. yeah and I ha- I was kind of trying to work out of home for the summer last summer and then in September I, I found this uh, studio and it's changed a lot because it's mm. like I'm kind of like dividing up the two elements of my life a little more sometimes I bring things home to work on but I'm um, trying to make that a bit more rare so that my home can just be like a eating resting spot that's like separate (laughs) um but yeah I think in five years I really hope that I'm self-sustaining and you know paying my bills and and uh costs just from my sales and my right and you can really really just rely on your business on all of those right Mm -hmm. yeah that would be kind of like the dream I've just this just this past few months I've been able to pay like my studio rent from this project and some other costs I've been able to finance from the few things I've sold so that's like a very small step Mm. towards um you know just relying on this to fund my livelihood as a person (laughs) I hope that I'll be able to be fully doing that within five years Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah just to expand and work with other people with other disciplines because I think running a brand takes so much more than just the making it's like oh yes yeah photography marketing like this is a whole new world to me mm-hmm. especially the photography I just really feel yeah I need a hand with that definitely I think you've been doing great <laughs> so far actually you know I see your posts on Instagram and 
I love it. Like, I don't know where you take the photos. Like if it's your, if your own, if it's your own house or something, but mm -hmm. I think it's cool. Well, know. sometimes it's at home. Uh, my partner is a very skilled in graphic design and like more than I am. So he helps secretly a lot. I probably don't give him enough credit because I'm, <laughs> and I, I get a lot of help from him. Um, and you just with the clinical eye of like that lighting is weird or that photo looks that's way too dark. Like I don't pick up those things, but someone with more of a training and that can help. So I have like a secret assistant now in my partner. <laughs> but uh, obviously yeah, don't unpaid, pay for Unpaid assistant or? Yeah, no, definitely. No. <laughs> <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I it would love, I'd love to be able to like hire photographers and models and pay them like definitely yeah um because they're working too you know it's, yeah and support them too okay. yeah cool well i'm really excited for you this is all yeah this is also good um uh okay i had this kind of big question here um if you could change one thing about the apparel industry for the better what would it be like the sky's <laughs> the limit you can do anything you want what would it be yeah, that is a big one. I had a, I like, I took a couple of notes on this because I, it was so big, but um, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to uh, come to one thing because there's just so much with the fashion industry overall that's like problematic. There's so many elements to it, but um, I, the one I landed on was companies being transparent and honest, I think. I would really, um, as well as kind of um, like we're in denial a bit about how destructive clothing production is to the earth. I think it's kind of like almost feels like this like secret thing um, that many are super, super surprised that it's like ranking so up there in the harmful, like um, the most harmful uh, practices in the world. Clothing production is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and usually people are like really I would never guess because it's like it's like, soft, like fashion is promoted as such like a glamorous thing but it's really um there's like some secrets to it yeah um, you're okay. right it is a really secretive industry you know yeah it feels like it's kind of like associated with like stress and um not accepting all bodies and these types of like really really negative things that I think people associate the fashion industry with um yeah. that's kind of getting a little to the past now because it means but uh I think overall I would really on a large scale like larger multi-million dollar companies I would like them to be truthful about every all the working conditions all the like how are their workers paid exactly then that would turn away a lot of consumers yeah the reason we never know how really cheap things are made is like they don't want us to know because we probably wouldn't want to put our money toward that if we did really know so um awareness going out there to the consumers because like yeah you can't 100 percent blame an everyday consumer for these huge huge problems because you're kind of trapped in what you can afford what you can access exactly. but I, yeah i want companies to be oh, truthful fixed. Yeah, a lot of small brands are trying to show behind the scenes, trying to show if you're outsourcing to a factory where they are, how much the workers are being paid. Like it's 
rising up and up it's getting a more common practice to be truthful but um yeah there's so many issues with not telling the truth about how things are done and how things are produced and like secrecy between like designers and how um a fast fashion brand will kind of rip off a small designer and then call all the time yeah that's kind of like another like secrecy thing I don't I don't really when I want things to just be more open and um kind of like sharing skills and sharing knowledge and um if that gets more of like a common practice I think people shopping will likely not want to shop fast fashion companies anymore if we knew that like people were in complete poverty that were making our our clothes we would not like people just it's really hard to have that become common knowledge because it's so like hidden yeah I don't know that's like a kind of a big ask but um I know but you nailed it I think (laughs) because um that covers a lot just by saying that it's like yeah just stop the secrecies you know and stop stealing ideas and whatever right um yeah because that I think that is what is the biggest issue you know and that could be a big game changer if people Mm -hmm. just were honest you know um cool um yeah Talking a little bit more, back to Olive Rose now. Okay, we talked about the industry. We talked about all of this. Uh, back to you now. You're the star of the show. Um, <laughs> is there a little teaser that we could get kind of thing? Um, what you've been working on or something? Can you tell us a little bit about what's to come? What's next in Olive Rose? Your brand? Yeah, well, I kind of I guess I kind of covered a little bit like it's been a very short time since I put myself out there as a brand and I've so far just done these a couple of like studio sale drops I don't even think I can call them like full collections in a seasonal way because they're just these like one-off type of collections but um so are you working on one like garment right now or something well I'm doing a bit of a well it's I don't know when um will be able to share this video but it at this day right now it's almost valentine's day so i want i'm doing a little release on valentine's day oh yeah just because i didn't know um when we would share this video so i was like is this going to be relevant is that is it going to be spring but um Uh, yeah i don't know really um i'm hoping to be posting again in february um probably not as soon as valentine's day though maybe after valentine's but I'm sort of working with that as my date, my next drop date, just because um, a lot of my concepts relate to like the heart. And um, I have all these like figurative kind of imagery of hearts and this color scheme. Yes. Uh, I'm doing Valentine's Day just because of that. Not because I, you know, I used to call it Singles Awareness Day. So I was kind of like a hater about Valentine's ah. Day. But I, I'm <laughs> using it kind of as my next deadline for my next drop. But okay. after that in the spring we'll be getting into March and April then. Um, I'll want to do a spring collection, which is going to be like my first size range. Nice. Um, so it's going to be cycled materials and and a few like um, handmade uh, materials mixed in, but definitely more of a predictable sort of run of garments with a size range. Um, yeah. So that'll be like my first collection, I guess, in the spring of this wow. year. After like the March month. or April or... Yeah, probably around May. 
Yeah. But I mean, after Valentine's Day. Give yourself some time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make it good. Make it a good one. <laughs> it's nice to give extra time for things. That's something I'm learning. Exactly. And you know, your loyal customers, they'll wait. They will wait. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I hope that changes about the fashion industry too, is that we can practice patience of like mm-hmm. good, really good things do take time. Cause I don't always have patience, yes. but um, yeah, this spring is my, going to be my first like launch, I guess you could say of a size run. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> well, yeah. well, good luck with that. Cause I know that that <laughs> that's another big thing. That's really hard to um, wrap your head around and to solve is sizing Mm -hmm. like every single brand has to figure it out kind of thing yeah especially when you want to have like the extended size range and even to call it an extended size range I'm kind of like well shouldn't it just be part of this the range like just all that kind of stuff is um a lot to wrap your head around um but it's important um and it goes along with making fashion more um uh ethical and accepting I think size having the full um, range of size is so much part of that. It's like, yeah, there's the environment and there's working conditions. And then there's like customer base that you want to share mm-hmm. your work with that should be a totally inclusive range of people. Um, so it, yeah. <laughs> um, That's cool. since, since we're on this topic, um, do you mind me asking, like right now I noticed that you're only making um, like feminine garments kind of thing um are you gonna make some for males too or are you gonna do like unisex stuff or what yeah I guess it like up until this women's clothing line but um I do kind of want it to be open to different gender expressions Mm -hmm. um yeah we always kind of think what we've seen in the past and clothing shopping is you'll have like menswear women's wear like completely separated yeah um style wise I kind of guess I, I work with more like femme feminine type of uh like silhouettes and shapes mm-hmm. but it would be so much fun if someone were to take that and express it with their own like uh gender whatever expression that would be I would really enjoy having the chance to design for that or have sold to maybe mostly like cisgendered like like female eyed uh females but it's just oh it's really open like I want it to be open right and you are just starting out now too right so Mm -hmm. um, yeah and I think the idea of femme shapes and like uh gender expression is not doesn't necessarily limit who could like my stuff or be interested in my stuff Mm -hmm. Um, it'd be really fun if um like a different sort of range of people were interested I would love that right Um, so but then yeah to say like technically menswear type of shapes that's something that I haven't gotten into Mm -hmm. um aside from like I I really want to work on this coat shape that I be interpreted as like gender neutral or unisex Oh, okay. Um, but I still want to do like gender neutral without being like, you know, kind of like no shape and no um, like frilliness or like add ons. Because a lot yeah. of times gender neutral kind of comes out that way when you see it marketed as gender neutral. It's just like, like sort of like blank slate type of styles. Right. But I really want to do that um, 
like a fit that would fit like lots of different bodies and could be interpreted as menswear, but I would want it to mm-hmm. be. Um, well, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, I'm excited for that. Looking forward to that. Woohoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't really gotten there yet, but. Um, yeah. But, you know, whatever, you know, and we're going to post this and everybody is going to know about all of Rose. And you are getting out there, my friend. um so let's just say our little goodbyes now um you can check out olive rose she has her own website she's at www.oliverosestudio.com and that's where she'll be posting her things or you can also connect to her through her instagram she's at olive rose that's o-l-i-v dot e-r-o-s-e if you want to contact her directly you can also do that through her website she has a contact little clicky button thing so yeah thanks for coming out um olivia coming out well logging on thank you for logging on (laughs) um and yeah thank you everyone for bringing your velcro and (laughs) sticking around (laughs) to the end of this podcast but please have a gravy day and stay hydrated